Hello, and welcome to This Week I Learned, your audio guide to the most surprising discoveries and fascinating studies of the week. I'm your host, Lauren Hansen, and this week I'm on vacation. So today I'm sharing some of my favorite facts that I've learned in previous weeks. This week I learned a most unsettling statistic. At least one in eight of us is carrying around a part of a twin we consumed in the womb. That statistic is pulled from a fascinating paper called Humans as Superorganisms, which tries to show how your average human body is a teeming mass of selfish entities. According to this paper, many of us are carrying around the cells of another human in our organs. So in these scenarios, the one baby was actually two way back in the early stages of in utero development. But before the would-be twin could even grow a limb, the other cell consumed it. But those human cells don't just disappear, they take root and grow in the developing fetus's organs. In fact, doctors and researchers have identified foreign human cells in kidneys, livers, hearts, and even brain tissue. But what's really crazy about cannibalizing cells is it's not limited to siblings in utero. Mothers can also consume the cells of would-be twins as well. In these cases, the stem cells of the would-be twin pass through the placenta and once again take root in the mother's body where they might be needed, like in a kidney, a liver, or brain tissue. Most of the time, these entities are harmless. You wouldn't even know you're walking around with a twin in your spleen. But sometimes they can cause big, family-sized drama. The craziest case mentioned in the paper has to do with a woman whose three children were taken away from her by child services after a maternity test showed she wasn't their mother. This is despite having conceived and birthed all three of them. It was finally revealed that the true mother of her children was her twin, or rather, the human embryo she consumed in utero. It turns out that this woman's eggs, which produced her offspring, genetically belong to the unborn, undeveloped sister. Scientists have named this creepy phenomenon with the fitting creepy name parasitic or vanishing twins. This week I learned that eating garlic can improve your natural stench. Garlic is actually already packed with natural health benefits. The sulfuric compounds found within the superfood can combat colds, help reduce blood pressure, and may even protect the brain from dementia and Alzheimer's. But stench, at least a good one, has always eluded this relative of the onion family. After all, garlic breath is not the ideal aphrodisiac. But a new study finds that garlic actually affects your natural smell on a deeper level and can indeed make you more attractive to potential mates. So in this particular study, 42 male odor donors were split into two groups. One group consumed a diet without any garlic at all, and the other consumed a diet with more garlic. They wore cotton pads in their armpits for the next 12 hours. Then those body odor-soaked pads were placed into jars, and then a group of brave women sniffed the jars and rated the smells for pleasantness, attractiveness, masculinity, and intensity. A week later, the diets of the two groups were reversed, and what they found was that with increased garlic dosage, the garlic eaters smelled more pleasant, 
less intense, and were more attractive to the sniffers than the non-garlic eaters. The researchers speculate that it was those health benefits I mentioned earlier, the antibacterial properties of garlic, that could be responsible for the positive change in body odor. This week I learned the fascinating backstory to this tongue twister. She sells seashells by the seashore. The she of that story is believed to be a British woman named Mary Anning, who in the early 1800s sold fossils at a stand on England's Dorset Beach, which is known as the Jurassic Coast. Long after her death in 1846, Mary Anning would be called one of the greatest fossilists the world ever knew. But she was hardly recognized as such in her day. Mary's father taught her and her brother how to wade below the cliffs at low tide and search for specimens. Under his tutelage, she learned the fundamentals of collection and identification. By the age of 12, she was already digging up a 200 million year old marine reptile. But Mary's father died when she was just a girl, leaving her family dependent on the sales of the fossils they found. Mary eventually took over the family business, but Mary was selling fossils at a time that was still several decades away from Charles Darwin's The Origin of the Species. The public was largely offended by the mere idea of extinction. So selling fossils wasn't easy. During her lifetime, Mary would discover some of the first dinosaur fossils unearthed in Great Britain, and yet her research and work weren't taken seriously. Male geologists would swoop in and take credit, sometimes publishing her findings as their own. Despite being overlooked in her lifetime, she did earn a bit of post-mortem recognition. After she died from breast cancer, her obituary was published in the Quarterly Journal of the Geological Society, which was notoriously an all-boys club. So yes, Mary Anning did sell seashells by the seashore, but only when she wasn't digging up stuff that would shape the world's fundamental understanding of time and history. This week I learned that the eyes of reindeer change colors with the season. It's actually a way for the Arctic animals to adapt to the drastically changing light of the north. Studying the eyes of a reindeer that died in the winter and the eyes of a reindeer that died in the summer, scientists found that reindeer eyes change from blue to gold. During the bright light of summer, reindeer eyes reflect back most light through the retina, which makes them appear gold. But as the summer turns to winter and the light fades, the layer of tissue behind the retina becomes less reflective and appears blue. This change helps to make the eyes more sensitive in that low winter light, giving the reindeers basically a version of night vision. The why this happens gets a little bit into the weeds, but basically, scientists believe the color change may be caused by pressure within the eyes. You see, in the winter, the reindeer's pupils are basically in a permanent state of dilation, which prevents fluid in the eyeball from draining naturally. With all that liquid buildup, the pressure compresses the tissue behind the retina, which means there's less space between to reflect the light. So the eyes are reflecting shorter wavelengths of the blue light that is abundant in the Arctic winters. And that does it for this episode of This Week I Learned. Look out for new episodes every Friday on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. To read more about any of the facts I've mentioned or to check out more of our series, including 7-Minute Opinions and 7-Minute Explainers, go to theweek.com slash podcasts. 
And if you like what you hear, subscribe, tell a friend, or give us a rating or review on iTunes. I'm Lauren Hansen, and thank you so much for listening. Bye.